0: Good afternoon and welcome to Todd's Time Travel here on Summer Valley FM. I'm with Dawn and Lucy back at uh, Stourhead. We're sat quite an unique position here aren't we guys because I actually sat on the on the bridge uh, we have got permission to be here but it's a very very unique place to stand or sit as we are at the moment um lucy i've interviewed you before last mm-hmm. time was here at uh, starhead back in may i think it was yeah, as well yeah quite
1: a long time hasn't yeah and
0: <laughs> course uh, like it's the first time you and i have met but um yes, yes. but uh, you've been here for at least 15 years
2: i have so yes it's, yes uh, it's
0: lovely to see you <laughs> yes thank so, you um, very much yeah yeah so we we've, we've walked around the garden for the last well, about an hour and a, hour and a half now? It? No, hour and, no, two, no, two hours, actually. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> we've learned some brilliant stories already going around, and I can't wait to share this with our listeners. But um I think to start with, we should talk about how the garden came to be, to be fair, because as uh, Lucy and I discussed previously, the house wouldn't be the house without the gardens, and the gardens wouldn't be the gardens without the house. Yes,
2: indeed. So indeed. it's very important mm-hmm. to discuss how the gardens came to be. Well, um, my my position here is the volunteer, and I'm a volunteer for a group called Walks and Talks. And we were instigated early on uh, as a way of introducing people to the house, because Stourhead Garden is obviously world famous, and quite rightly so, but the house, uh, fewer people seem to know that the house was even in existence. So the idea was to draw the two together. And this is where Uh, the slightly different approach is in creating this garden because it's so separate from the house because you can remember Todd we actually walked didn't we for (laughs) probably about half an hour say 20 minutes half an hour from the house to the garden and the idea there was that the owner of the house at the time a man called Henry Hoare who is now renamed as well, even in his own lifetime as Henry the Magnificent because of the wonderful garden, (laughs) realized realized that down below, in a valley below the house, he had uh, a beautiful valley into which flowed six springs. And he realized that by damming the valley, he could create a lake. And round the lake, he could put what he has done, beautiful temples, and so create Uh, a wonderful example of what was then a very new genre of the English landscape garden. So this all came about during the 18th century, Uh, that was the period of the uh, development of it. The house had been built in the early part of the 18th century but this was mostly during the seven from the 1740s onwards yeah yeah i remember
0: because you were saying one of the most important factors is from from the actual entrance of the house you could walk down the pathway and eventually well, as you said in your very <laughs> in your very good impersonation of the 1700s <laughs> where, is the where, is the <laughs> where is the garden where is the garden indeed and there was that beautiful viewpoint you can see of Head, which just overlooks Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the magnificence of, of Stellhead which right. makes yes. sense for him to
2: be called Henry the Magnificent after. <laughs> yes but the, the thing about the first view that you have of it is that it, it on the route that Henry would have brought his visitors is you don't see the whole garden. Mm-hmm. No. You just see have a glimpse and in this way he was fulfilling one of these ideas of uh, what a landscape garden should be and um, that it should con- uh, you should have surprises. You should have variety, um and you should be able to have no idea whatsoever where the garden finished and the landscape begins. Yeah, where it begins. begins. And you
0: can't. You said there was one gate, but we're not going to tell people where. No, they? no, definitely not. <laughs> no one wants that. We, want we want to think it's continuous Absolutely. and it goes and it goes on. Absolutely. I mean, our ahead has always been. To most people probably one of the most famous sites we we can think of today and it's been used in several famous pictures <laughs> I think as I said the first time I seen it Pride and Prejudice I was trying to guess <laughs> I was only about very it was a very young age at the time so I was trying to guess <laughs> where it was but um, even as a lad just going up here and seeing it from the difference between when you're the age of three to the age of 24 it's, it just almost gets better it's as it a yes, work because you yes. can appreciate more things than as you see, could yeah. when you were young when you were younger so um and we also say there's the um the obelisk as well to the memorial of of, of him and his, and his works as mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. you can see in the viewpoint that when you're walking up to it 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 narrows into that viewpoint so it's always in your eyes view but Dawn, you also mentioned from the house, you can also sit in, um, yes. in the saloon, it's, yes. it's very noticeable There's as well. that
2: wonderful symmetry because it's absolutely, in fact if you stand with your, I'm not suggesting you do stand with your nose up against the door, <laughs> but pretty close to your nose up against the door, you actually cannot see the obelisk because it's so perfectly in line with the center point of the house. So very much into that palladium symmetry, uh, because where you, you are standing is in line with the front and you're at the back and your eye is drawn not only by the garden and the field, but by the obelisk, to yeah. the obelisk. Uh, and of course we have the traditional ha-ha in the way <laughs> um, of, uh, yes. <laughs>
0: Hello, oh, you're back here with Todd and Summer Valley FM, still with uh, Lucy and Dawn here at Stourhead. Um, now Lucy, you and I were discussing that I suppose the major difference between the National Trust site here all those years ago is that visitors were actually allowed into mm. Stourhead, uh, whereas most places it was usually privately owned and therefore it was private guests, private ownership, and that would be the end of that. But Stourhead has a very different story.
1: It does indeed, and um, I think if you do look at historic sites around the country, a lot of them are behind um, tall walls and gates and um, Stourhead is quite unique in that not only is a landscape garden, as we've discussed, the the blend between the garden and the landscape should be continuous, but we have in fact a, a public road running straight through the centre of our site and always have done. Um, and you hear in a lot of the stories in the diaries of previous owners um, of them taking their visitors around the garden but also um, having day day trippers around as well. And um, we have a wonderful quote um, from um, older Lady Hoare where she talks about Stourhead and uh, the National Trust and having um, visitors coming to the garden where, so it's written in 1946, uh, where she says, "Um, I love the trippers and love to see them enjoying themselves. Besides, I think one's no right to always shut a thing up that others want to see and um so that was in 1946 when it was actually given over to the trust but um the spread eagle pub which was built around the same time in the garden so from about the 1740s onwards was built specifically for um day trippers coming to sourhead and, and visiting the landscape and
0: even now i obviously i know the trust owns it now but like just back then to be able to appreciate something so It's hard not to say the word magnificent, (laughs) but it it really really is. You put that word in my mind. (laughs) But it it, it really is though, isn't it? And it it would have been such a shame to close that off to the public Mm. back then because Mm. you put all that work in and then you're only going to have a select few who want to see it. And the fact that the mindset was completely different, it goes, no, I want people to be able to see it because I want people to be
2: able to appreciate what I've done. And you look at any of the the uh, paintings and etchings and drawings of the garden mm. around that time, there are always people dotted about, people boating on the water, yeah. people sitting around talking. Just like there are today. Yeah, which yeah. is lovely. I did
0: mention it because I said to you, Dawn and I, said, is, what, is, is anyone still go boating on the water? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was thinking because I'm very tempted to get my <laughs> there just, oh. just to start rowing. <laughs> but it, it would look beautiful. It
2: would, yeah. yeah the it gardeners
1: is. sometimes do when they have to sort of do any pruning on the islands. Uh, they do take the boat out, and um, I, I, from what I've been told, it's quite difficult wor- work. There's more of a current there than you're uh, you're led to believe. Yeah, yeah. So it takes a couple yeah. of them to um, really uh, navigate the boat over. To
0: yeah. Uh, so, for those who don't know, that the water, work, so the water that's here
2: as well, it's fed from the River Stour, is it? Yes, yep. well it's actually the source of the River <laughs> the source Stours, of Stour, yep. head Stourhead. Yep. Uh, so we've got the, the valley on one side of the garden is the source of most of the springs, yep. not all of them, but there's six springs all together flowing into the valley. And uh, I, I marvel to think of Henry sort of sitting in this valley one day and looking at it and imagining that he could create this beautiful lake, which is really a, a jewel, because it—it's not—it—it it creates such an element just by itself, by its reflection of the sky, by its reflection of the buildings yeah, into it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, it's a habitat for the for the ducks, the geese, or that I've just spotted actually um, a crested grebe out mm. there, um, which is lovely to see again. Um, the swans are a bit territorial. <laughs> <laughs> have trouble with those. I suppose there's well, the distance between <laughs> the
0: birds and the
2: swans. <laughs> but uh, just to have that inspiration to realise that he could create this magnificent setting, yes, yes um, that's one, away, then. quite away from the house, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence my comment to you that visitors must have gone, where's this house then, <laughs> Henry? <laughs> yeah, but the,
0: the idea that you, you can get all those ideas from a painting yes, is, yes. Is, and then reflects that yes. into actual mm. imagery. It, it's, it's just incredible to think that not mm. one mindset can mm. even, even begin to imagine that.
2: Well, the influence of Claude Lorraine was... was enormous i think on the english landscape Mm. garden movement yes of which this is such a perfect example yeah um but
0: just the way the water works as well i mean like how the actual landscape of the water has been built to Mm. then
2: the actual eye line of the view is Mm. is perfectly crafted Mm. for the for the eyes to see though isn't it Mm. and this the bridge where we're sitting i mean the the arm of the lake there when you first see it you think well is, what is that? Is that just a, a stream coming into the valley, or is it a, yeah. a little pond, like a village pond? Yeah. Or, you know, you've got no idea that it's going to open out uh, into, into the this. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I would encourage visitors that when they do come, if they're, if they're used to coming down and just seeing that first view of the landscape um, as you come down the road past the spread eagle to to do it the other way round, to go up to the house mm. first and then go through the historic walkway in the top garden where um, the the members of the house would take their guests because it unfurls and reveals it to, uh, to you in, in such a different and magical way that you see the garden again with uh, completely fresh eyes and yeah. a completely fresh appreciation for the work and the landscaping that, that went into creating such a an incredible viewpoint at indeed, the end. Indeed, <laughs>
0: indeed. I mean, that's one of the benefits of Snowheads. You can walk around any point and, and take it in from a different, a different perspective. Yes. so It's so important and also so unique in that aspect as well, because mm. it's quite difficult to do that mm. with any garden, to walk mm. around and go, wow, this looks totally different to
2: how I stood when I was up on the top. Yes, that's part of the skill of, of creating a garden of this sort, is that, you know, you should time you you turn a corner, the view is going to be different, your eye is going to be led in a different direction to another scene of beauty. And um, that's partly why the walks and talks, um, guided walks that I'm part of, um, we do the walk that Lucy's just um, Just suggested, suggested. So it introduces people to the garden in a different way.
0: Dawn, tell us about your walks and talks tour.
2: Well, yes, we're well, we're very excited about them at the moment because we are restarting, uh, and it's the major visitor experience restart uh, at Stourhead, um, and we're restarting after a pause of. 18 months so it's it's terribly exciting we only started on the 1st of September so that's really wonderful yes Um, and we do take people on this unique route uh, a very different route um, that Lucy's just mentioned going from the house um, through the kitchen garden up through to the house and then along into the garden the route that uh, Henry the Magnificent would have brought his own visitors. So, we do feel that we give people a very special um, introduction to the walk, uh, to the walk and to the garden. Um, then, people are free to walk round the lake at their own pace because people have a great difference in the amount of time they'll want to potter down and look in the grotto or look inside the temple or just stride out. So it enables people to do that at their own pace. So we give two tours a day, one at 11, one at 1 Uh They are advertised on a board. They're, I think we're virtually every day we've got a volunteer covered uh, for this part of the season. So uh, it does, if you are able to come any time other than Uh, October half term then do because that tends to be extremely busy because the garden obviously in October looks spectacular um, and uh, but it does get very busy with uh, half term but apart from that it's it's still there we still give the walks and talks so please do come. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome back to Todd and Summer Valley FM on
0: Todd's Time Show I'm still here with Lucy and Dawn at Snowhead now Stourhead is known not only for its gardens and its houses, but the the buildings that surround Stourhead as well. So right in front of us we have the Temple of Flora, which um, it represents the gardens, and which, being in Stourhead, it, <laughs> it's very logical to have her overlooking the gardens, as you said, Lucy. Um, but we're talking 1750s
1: here 1740s
0: yeah
1: no the um <laughs> the garden buildings have um sort of sprung up over over a period of about probably 60 years or so and most of which we still have some of which have unfortunately been um sort of taken away but yeah the first one that you do come across on your visit is um is the temple of flora and um that was the first um, garden building to be put in uh, by, uh, it's probably apt to mention Henry Flickcroft at this point as one of the, the main <laughs> makers of Stourhead yes. uh, and one of the main architects. And uh, the temple's actually inspired by one in a famous garden created by uh, Pliny, the, the Roman author. And yeah, as you said, it's dedicated to the Roman goddess of flowers and spring. And um, so it feels particularly apt to have here, um, especially because I think it's a really nice um, signpost, actually, um, for, as you're beginning of the garden and also signifies one of Stourhead's I think one of the most beautiful periods but probably one of the most overlooked which is actually spring at Stourhead is an absolute explosion of colour and beauty and um, as we're sitting here it's September we're, we're sort of going into autumn and actually I can see the tree over yes, by the pantheon yeah. has, um, yeah. has just started to turn and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's always a sign for staff and volunteers that autumn is coming and autumn is also an, you know, a, spectac- a spectacular time as all the, the shades of green go to shades of sort of you know very rich, uh, sort of deep reds and um, yeah. beautiful oranges. But uh, spring in itself is such a wonderful um, time of year here, and it feels very apt that you start your your journey around the garden at sort of that temple yeah. as you sort of spring into it and uh, all that definitely. it has to offer.
2: It's a good time of to experience the the name that Henry gave to his garden, because he called it a garden of greens. Mm. So often people come and say, where are all the flowers? And you say, well, it's a garden of greens, apart from of course, when all the uh, rhododendrons and azaleas are in flower in spring. But during the spring, that's when when trees are breaking into leaf, you see all the wonderful variety from uh, you know, the variegated <laughs> trees and we've got you know, our variegated tulip tree is one of the champion trees. Um, that's one of the, the biggest, the widest, the most unusual in the country, wh- whichever category it comes into. Um, we've actually got 11. I believe it's 11 at the moment champion trees in the garden. And as you say, Lucy, that's when spring is really gives you and that high. picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now
0: we can't talk about Starhead without mentioning the Pantheon. <laughs> be, especially as a Roman lover, it would be a very, yeah. very ironic statement if I didn't. Now the Pantheon is probably one of the I would say It is. Yeah, main eye view. you have to look over the yeah. bridge, isn't it? Yeah. But it's so now now we're talking seventeen fifty. Now I've got it right, seventeen fifty, yeah. yeah, so dates one way round. Seventeen fifties, thank you, Lucy. Now Lucy, what can you tell me about the Pantheon? Because there's a very obviously there are, people know there is the pantheon within yeah. Rome and there are similarities between the pantheon here and Stourhead uh, one of the major differences probably be the roof as you said <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes do, uh, do let us know what
1: So for, what? The, for those of you who have visited the pantheon in Rome and uh, say have not visited Stourhead I think you mm. need to imagine the, the pantheon on miniature scale <laughs> so mm. a lot of its key features have sort of been Uh, sort of trimmed down to quite a beautiful, I'd say, English landscape size. (laughs) So when you go in there, you do feel, it it very much evokes the feel of the Pantheon um, in terms of um, a lot of decorative elements um, are recreated Um, from the sort of roof voids and roof spaces to um, the the variety of gods and goddesses um, that are inside the Pantheon and um even up to the to the cupola which is um what would it be called the cupola oculus oculus yeah yeah, I'm yeah I'm you can put well. that okay. yeah to the oculus limit. which is uh, in in rome is left open but uh, in england has had a uh, very glass covering put on to, yeah. uh, to protect against all reasons. elements yeah, <laughs> yes it's
0: common in english, <laughs> english architecture ah. isn't it?
1: but uh, yeah so it follows the sort of the you know the italianate um Composition of the garden and um, that sort of uh, the inspiration from classical and mythological landscapes. Um, but as you it was actually um, designed for parties, so um, sort of picnics and suppers, and you know, even through to today, we do have events that take uh, that sort of um, occur in the pantheon, and much like visitors still visiting as they once were parties still held in the pantheon uh, it's nice to know that all of these buildings sort of continue with one of their original intentions most definitely most definitely
2: i mean it is the iconic building really of the garden isn't it it's um it must have been photographed and painted (laughs) so Uh, many times i cannot think how many times and it it, the setting as you walk into the garden in the modern way at the bottom it is just magnificent from the bridge that we're sitting on yeah. looking through the bridge and then at the pantheon across the water it's the iconic view of Head, mm. isn't it yeah
0: yeah exactly mm. it's, it's one of the things you can immediately think of yes. when, when you think of stourhead it's yes, one yes i think so. and as you yeah. said a lot of people think when it comes to the garden ages they look at they look at the bridge and they look over and see the pantheon and they think that's it but there's so mm. much more to so much more yeah exactly yes, so, so much, much more, more. Which then eventually leads us to the, <laughs> as Dawn's pointing, uh, leads us to the rock arch as well, which is a very um, important part of head as well. Now, um, Dawn, you're going to tell us about the uh, uh, the choice of Hercules, which is a, a brilliant story that I've just learned today. Um, that Dawn beautifully narrated, but um, <laughs> Dawn, if you'd like to uh, again narrate that part, I suppose. Well,
2: much we well, as as you discovered when you went round the house and and you. I'm I'm sure seeing today the influence of of paintings and items in the house very much give you an idea of what you're going to expect in the garden and have been an influence on what has happened in the garden and one such influence is quite definitely uh, Nicolas Poussin's painting uh, of the choice of Hercules. Now this painting is now going to be part of a a new publication, a new nat- National Trust publication called A Hundred Paintings, which is coming out fairly soon. And The Choice of Hercules by Nicolas Poussin is going to be Stourhead's contribution to that book. Um, but it's much, much more than just a painting by Poussin, if one can, s- is allowed to say that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, I think you are. <laughs> um, because um, we have haven't yet mentioned the, uh, the wonderful temple of Apollo that uh, stands high above the garden. Um, high above the garden, of course, Apollo being God of the sun. So his temple is justly placed high above the garden. Yes. Um, and the position that Henry wanted to place it in um, is very dominant and is in view uh, very beautifully from the rest of the garden. But the difficulty was that between the garden, and the lake, and the position he wanted, uh, there is a public road. So he wanted to somehow or another get his visitors and his friends and family uh, in a position to be able to walk to it without having to cross a road. So he presumably must have looked at this amazing painting and saw this lovely depiction of Hercules standing there with the two um, ladies on either side of him, one representing virtue, who is all in white, and one presenting uh, representing vice, who is in a very glamorous bronze dress with off the shoulder, um, naked knee, very alluring lady. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and he has to choose between them. And of course, as we know from the story, Hercules chooses the path of virtue. Now the path of virtue, of course, is a very difficult path. It's rocky, uh, a steep terrain. So we believe that Henry took this painting and thought, right, this is my way (coughs) of getting my visitors over the road. So he has built this wonderful archway, which I believe you walked over, Todd, I without realising yeah, that I you did. were <laughs> I did. actually I was a boy. walking over the
0: lane. No, when I was a boy. Yeah, no. Um, I do remember it being quite difficult as a child, but me being a climber, I was very much like, I can do this. <laughs> I, don't, I think that was the midi-Hercules in oh, yeah,
2: there we are. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I
0: don't like the last very long. <laughs> well,
2: it, it's very beautiful. It's made of chert, which is one of the local stones, one of the local, part of the local geology of the area, and uh, and also some lovely bits of toof, tofu as well, <laughs> tufa, tufa's <is> the <laughs> word, tufa's the word, We won't have tofu, no. That <laughs> um, and uh, so when you walk up this pathway, you cannot see the road, so you've been accessed up to the beautiful Temple of Apollo, mm. and you today, of course, for your virtuous climb, are rewarded with the most beautiful view across the lake and the temples. And that is your reward. I think that's a pretty good reward. (laughs) I'd be very happy with that reward. However, we could also say that you could also, if you wanted to, take the path of vice. Because that is the level path. We say that leads you out of the garden and into the Spread Eagle Courtyard, where, of course, you could take of some alcoholic refreshment or an ice cream. <laughs> I don't know why Dawn is looking. We're applying there, Dawn. I climbed, above,
0: I climbed the right one. Look, I, I, I told you, you it was the mini indeed. Hercules. You did I went indeed. Went the right way. <laughs> you did indeed. <laughs>
2: we'll but, it's le- <laughs> <otherwise>. <laughs> but it's a lovely reflection on on the story of the. Painting. Painting and linking again another wonderful link of the house and the garden. Hello there and welcome back to Taught on Summer Valley
0: FM here at Stowerhead still with Lucy and Dawn. Lucy tell me about the Thousand Feathers uh, project that's coming up.
1: Yeah I think when you do come to Stowerhead you'll sort of look across the lake and you'll feel inspired one way or another with sort of the connection to nature and certainly if you've sort of joined us around this um the walk around the lake as we've described it today, hopefully uh, we've inspired you from afar as well. And um, there is an installation currently in the garden called A Thousand Feathers, which um, was the brainchild of a local artist uh, called uh, Studio Meraki, two artists that work there. And um, we're encouraging people to come and make their own feather to uh, add to this growing and sprawling art exhibition, which you sort of get halfway around the lake. And uh, the whole point is that you feel connected to nature and you make this feather and you leave it behind with your message to nature of why you love it, why you love the place, how nature inspired you through during the pandemic. And uh, you can be a part of uh, something a lot bigger and become a part of the Head landscape itself.
0: Cool. Well, Lucy and Dawn, I have to thank you both for your interview with me today. It's been absolutely brilliant to talk to the pair of you, as always. Hoping I can come back again, Lucy. Absolutely,
2: you <laughs> can. <laughs> I have I'm to ask. Come on a walks and talks. Yeah, I will. I will, Dawn.
0: Yeah, I will. Don't worry. No doubt about that. Well, thank you again for your time, guys.
1: No, thank you. It's a
2: pleasure, lovely, to share it with you.
0: Yes.